0: And welcome to Alien Talk Podcast. And Happy New Year to everyone. As we are now back for the first weekend of 2022, another holiday season has come and gone. And in this week, most of us start to transition back to ordinary time, into ordinary routines as we begin to take down Christmas decorations and come back from vacation breaks. I know for some people, it's a little bit of a downer, you know, seeing another year and another holiday season come to an end. So, hello there, Laurie, and Happy New Year.
1: Hey, Joe, and uh, Happy New Year to
0: you as well. Uh, how was your holiday? Very nice. Very nice. Uh, good to be back. How was yours?
1: Yeah, it was really good. You know, um, one thing about Christmas uh, is that I've always found odd is how there is so much anticipation, so much buildup for it to arrive. Uh, but then once it's here and then over, it's like it can't just go away fast enough. It's like everyone is done with it and we want and we don't want to see it lingering around anymore. I never thought I would ever say that about Christmas.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh well, there's like this residual period that lasts between Christmas and New Year's where it's it's still okay and and still uh cool for there to be decorations up and for music to be played, but certainly after that it needs to move on until next year that is. Like, you just don't want to see anything left of it. Just disappear already. Be gone now. I
1: know. On on to the next one. (laughs) Well, actually, on the church calendar, the Christmas season goes all the way to the uh, Epiphany, right? So that's like uh, all the way to January 6th.
0: Yeah, well, it's today. Uh, Today is the solemnity of the Epiphany, uh, as it is the uh, second Sunday after Christmas, which, true, is on or near the 6th of January, the 12th day after Christmas, but It really goes all the way to next Sunday, the third Sunday after Christmas, and that is the feast day of the baptism of the Lord. That is the official end of the Christmas season, uh, as as it is on the liturgical calendar.
1: Yeah, man, that's just uh, way too long. I mean, (laughs) to the rest of the world, by that time, Christmas is long gone, like it's ancient history.
0: Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. By that point, those decorations just need to be totally gone. Or else you're going to be getting the looks from everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I I think by the time of Super Bowl weekend, uh, it should be against the law to have Christmas stuff out. <laughs> like, like you should maybe be cited for it or something. I I'm sure there has to be a place somewhere in the world where where they have that.
0: <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for. I mean, we'll get stuck having to respond to people calling to rat out their neighbors. Uh, you know, we'd be like, now, what are they doing, sir? Are they making too much noise over there? And they would be like, no, it's their decorations they are still up. It's against the law. And I'm offended by my neighbor.
1: <laughs> and there will be people that would do that too. <laughs> uh, so true enough. I mean, we don't need people complaining about their neighbors anymore than they already do, right?
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, so we begin this episode of this new year by talking about blood and the significance it has in mythology. Uh, it has a symbolic meaning that is as powerful and as deeply rooted as that of any other symbol, like the snake, and like the lion, and like that of fire, and of water, and of the stars. All of those have symbolism to them. But blood conveys an illustration of the very essence, uh, the very quality, and the source of life. As it, it leaves our bodies, if it does leave our bodies, uh, we die. We need it more than just about anything. Uh, You can go almost as far as to say that blood is life. Now, medical science explains that uh, it is the bodily tissue most vital to us. It carries oxygen and nutrients like glucose to all the other tissues and organs for cellular respiration, and it carries away carbon dioxide and certain acids. Uh, And really, since ancient times, people have both venerated and feared blood as it was believed to have power, the power to heal, uh, the power to revive, and, of course, also to have the power of the supernatural and the power of magic for those certain figures who are thought to be godlike.
1: Yeah, So that brings us to the idea of blood that is not like other blood, and uh, we do indeed find that with what is today known as the RH negative blood. Of course, this particular subject can be discussed for much longer than 30 to 50 minutes, uh, really, all of our topics could involve hours of discussion of, you know, very technical things. But We just want to remind everyone that this program is meant to make you think and to hopefully answer some questions, but also to inspire you, the listeners, to go forth and you know research all these topics on your own. So with that being said, you know, Joe, I'm reminded of the old hymn we used to sing in the church a lot, and it was called "Power." There's Power in the Blood. Now uh, the song was written in 1889 by Lewis E. Jones, and the lyrics are, "There is power, power, the wondrous working power, in the precious blood of the Lamb." Now, what Jones was writing and singing about was the blood of Jesus Christ had had as power, so the power to heal the sick, uh, power to raise the dead, to cast out demons, and to cleanse you from every sin, so as to make you a better person. Right, and
0: let's not forget the one that goes. What Can Wash Away My Sins? Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. by Robert Lowry, written in 1876. Uh, I remember learning that one when we were little kids, uh, at least when I was going to church. That song was drilled into our heads, like at almost every church service we attended.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely remember that one, too. Um, So Jesus is referred to as the Lamb, and he is called the Lamb of God because he was led like a lamb to be slaughtered. Now, his blood was shed as an atonement for the sins of all humanity. According to conventional theology, after his crucifixion, the blood of bulls and goats and lambs, it was no longer needed for the forgiveness of sins, as was done in the Old Testament, because Christ gave the ultimate and final sacrifice by shedding his own blood as the lamb that was spotless and and without flaw.
0: Sure. And, you know, there's almost an obsession with blood in judeo-christianity uh, mm-hmm. really it is at the core of personal faith that we are saved from eternal damnation and because as is said in john eleven twenty six, 26 he who believes in me shall not perish but will have everlasting life uh it is the hope of immortality the hope of living forever and ever just like god uh, now this cleansing aspect of blood is obviously a figurative illustration Anyone who has come across a significant amount of blood knows that it does not wash anything away. It actually makes a huge, nasty mess. But the concept here is that the act of it being shed is something that brings about a spiritual and moral purification. Blood is the ticket to atoning for any wrongs that a person had done. But certainly not just any blood will suffice. It is imperative that it is special blood. So you said that goats and bulls were, and, and lambs were offered up in the Old Testament, uh, in the first seven chapters of Leviticus, Leviticus. God commands the Israelites to make certain sacrifices as offerings, in uh, that were in a way to please the Lord. Uh, the people had to do this on a daily basis, actually twice a day, in order to thwart God's wrath, and it was blood from a burnt offering that had satisfied him. Uh, Of course, this had to be done by the ordained priest at the altar of burnt offering, which was sometimes called the brazen altar. The animals had to be unblemished, and they had to be male. So the people couldn't just take to the altar the runts of the litter or whatever animal they didn't want. That would be an offense to the Lord. They had to give the best. The only uptick was when a sacrificial meal was permitted, and this then prevented the complete loss of uh, otherwise good meat. And of course, it was the priest who got to eat it. And, you know, in, in Homer's Iliad, uh, it mentions the blood of the gods as being an ethereal liquid called ichor uh, that was supposed to be toxic to mortals, even if they just touched it. Uh, now, this is in contrast to the idea of the blood of Christ, which is supposed to bring everlasting life. And indeed, the blood of saints was believed to have similar life giving powers and that it could bring healing. Around 180 AD, Clement of Alexandria confounded Icor in a polemic against pagan worship by stating that medically it is nothing more than a foul-smelling, watery discharge from a wound or an ulcer uh, from the Greek gods who could be nothing more than mortals considering that it be, they became physically wounded and bled out just like a human.
1: We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior,
0: and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at hiss and Tell.
1: Yeah, it, um, it is also strange that we have a, a mythological allusion to the blood of gods as being lethal to humans. Um, as this seems to suggest what is called a hemolytic response, although the adverse uh, the adversity of it goes in the, the other in the uh, other direction. That being if RH negative blood is the godly eye uh, core, um, which is the the uh, fluid that uh, flows like blood in the veins of, of the gods, then it is the ordinary blood uh, that is toxic to it, meaning that the Rh positive is what would kill the Rh negative person. Now, the Rh negative, on the other hand, is compatible and beneficial to those who are Rh positive, as much it truly does revive and give life to people uh, as can be attested by the thousands of blood transfusions that take place every year.
0: Sure. And actually, many cathedrals throughout Europe house terracotta vials that are said to contain the clotted blood of saints, and they are believed to bring healing, especially if that saint is one who was martyred. Uh, some of these vials are said to have the blood of a martyr uh, that is still liquefied or has become liquefied, uh, such as St. Janarius uh, at the Church of Santa Chiara in Naples and St. Lorenzo at the Church of Santa Maria near Rome. Uh, They seem to miraculously not clot, and we find other stories and cultures from around the world about blood having miraculous and magical power uh, throughout places such as India and Japan. Uh, There are legends of how the drops of blood from deities falling to the ground are believed to have caused great trees to sprout forth.
1: Right, and... Blood was very important to the God of the Bible. Um, It was used as a covenant, and Yahweh required that it be spilt through sacrifices, um, uh, both under the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The only difference is that the New Covenant has just one final and ultimate sacrifice being made through Jesus as the Son of God, whereas under the Old Covenant uh, had repetitious sacrifice, rituals that had to be made for the cleansing of people's sins. So even animal blood was seen as being a sacred bond between God and creation. It just uh, was not perfect, and the sacrifices were not perfect or complete. Um, that came with from the perfect blood from the perfect sacrifice of, of Jesus that atoned for all sins uh, for all time.
0: Now, actually, even under the new covenant, people are supposed to continually participate in the sacrificial rite commemorating the Last Supper that Jesus had with his apostles, which was both a Passover meal and a prelude to his death and resurrection in order to make complete the atonement for all of humanity. In first Corinthians eleven twenty five, Paul gives a quote of Jesus, actually only one of two that he gives throughout all of his epistles where he says this cup is the new covenant do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me this is told to the church to partake in the lord's supper pretty much with every gathering uh, as it then says in verse 27 that whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the lord so this imagery is not taken lightly by christians communion with god comes by eating the body of christ and drinking the blood of christ Now, this is how salvation is attained, through faith and divine power, not by Jesus' words, but by his blood. A Catholic Mass reenacts this every time with the Liturgy of the Eucharist, which is believed to be the transubstantiated body and blood of Jesus. When given communion at a Mass, and when a priest says, the body of Christ, that is meant to be literal. In the act of consecration, the bread and wine become a real sacrifice of a body that bleeds. Now, that is the dogma of the mystery of the Eucharist. Of course, it is only real in a semantic way, not an empirical way. The sacrifice being done is through the presence of the Holy Spirit and not through the actual killing of an animal or of a human. Uh, In fact, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for talking about cannibalism when saying in John 6, 56, Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. He clearly becomes exasperated with them for not understanding what he was teaching, as it further says that many disciples left him at that point. So even though the eating and drinking allegorizes a higher meaning, it's a metaphor that to them was sine qua non, blood has the power to give life, and they knew that.
1: Right, and you have to wonder why if Jesus is speaking purely in spiritual terms that Christians reenact a sacrifice. Uh, even though uh, bread and wine are used the ritual was meant to be in its complete form the consumption of a body and of its blood that being christ's body and blood I I, I I think just about every preacher would would tell you that if you don't believe you are doing that in the in the essence then you are truly not a christian so religious doctrines teach that humans were created from the dust of the earth but our creation entailed much more more than what traditional beliefs have instilled in us. The true essence of who we are originated from blood in the DNA. When the Sumerian god Inki proclaimed, A being already exists. Let us put our mark upon it. Let us create a primitive worker so that we might have our ease. Now, this is where I believe they, are alien gods, created the first species of early humans, possibly from the genome of the Neanderthal man or another primate, such as the Homo erectus or even Eidelberg man, uh, strong and robust, able to perform the difficulties of of manual labor. Um, It wasn't until an upgrade was needed that we became self-aware beings known now as the Homo sapiens, thinking man.
0: So this brings up the question, is there such a thing as special blood, blood that is different from that of most people? The answer is yes, there is. It was discovered by Carl Landsteiner and Alexander Weiner in 1937 in the first blood serum specimens collected, which was from a rhesus monkey. Um, The antigens found in the red blood cells uh, were later found to be similar to what those were humans had. And the proteins that comprised the particular antigen became called a rhesus D after the rhesus monkey. Now, when blood specimens from some people were studied, it was realized that Rhesus D was not present in their cells. Uh, This led to a way of classifying blood by what is called the Rhesus factor, then later just called the Rh factor. Eventually, it was found that most people were Rh positive, meaning the RHD antigen is present. Um, But there were some, less than 15%, according to the American Medical Association, in which the antigen is not present. Those people are Rh negative. So under the ABO classification system, this blood type is not compatible with any person that is Rh positive. Um, Now that shouldn't be the case. Uh, If we are all the same species, uh, all of our blood should be compatible with one another. So we see with transfusions that it is not so simple as this RHD antigen can cause some problems, or more specifically, the lack thereof. So most of us have heard of blood types like O positive and B positive and so on, and this started when the practice of blood transfusions began in the early 20th century by physicians like Lance Steiner and Weiner. Uh, There are other classification systems that are less commonly used. There's the Jansky system that categorizes blood as types 1 through 4, and there are many others in which blood is labeled and designated by the other proteins and enzymes that are present in, in the samples. Now, most of the time, they found that there was no problem with the transfusions. But in a few cases, there would be hemolytic reactions caused by the agglutination of red blood cells in which they tend to clump together. And that's bad. It's often fatal. So, Landsteiner Steiner discovered antigens in the blood and identified two, antigen A and antigen B. If antigen A is present, then it is blood type A. If antigen B is present, then it is blood type B. Uh, if it, both are present, then the blood type is AB. If neither is present, then the blood type is O. Uh, it, that is the null group, and it has both anti-A and anti-B antibodies in the plasma, antigens being what are responsible for the stimulation of antibodies. Uh, so. Type O is the universal donor, as long as uh, an Rh factor doesn't put a positive into a negative recipient. uh, Also, type AB is the universal um, recipient. Again, as long as an Rh factor of positive donor doesn't go into a negative recipient. That would cause a hemolytic reaction in which the anti-RHD antibodies of the Rh negative would attack the red blood cells of the Rh positive. Otherwise, A goes with A, B goes with B, and AB goes with AB as well as A and with B. Uh, An RH negative donor can go with an RH negative and RH positive recipient, but an RH positive donor can only go to an RH positive recipient, not an RH negative
1: one. Then along came mutations in the genes, such as eye color and skin pigmentation. Eventually, godhood descended to the humans in a form of uh, kingship from the extraterrestrial Anunnaki bloodline, which um, was established and and entered a uh, possible connection to the RH negative bloodline, which is what we would call the bloodline of the gods. Um, Author uh, Howard Wiss wrote in his book, Bloodprints of the Gods, of how the ancient bloodline of the Hebrew people is a sacred one. In fact, he goes on to say that the British monarchy can trace its genealogy back to six of the Hebrew kings and even further back to the six Babylonian kings. Therefore, asserting that the blood of the British monarchy is the closest there is to the original first man, namely Adam, or more accurately, the Adamu from the Sumerian lore. Um, he also claims that. Uh, According to New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, the origin of the name Hebrew is a mystery because the term Hebrew is referring to the Anunnaki bloodline, as actually means it actually means one from beyond. So this etymology is found in uh, Strong's very own Hebrew slash Greek lexicon under item number H six six seven seven. And just to be clear
0: on this, we're not saying that if you have Rh negative blood that you're descended from an alien or from a god Uh, what the lack of this rhd antigen shows is a variation in the human genome uh, on the whole and which which may have been the result of a hybridization with another species a very long time ago uh, that would put the so-called mark as enki proclaimed and that would pertain to every human being regardless of blood type or anything else
1: right um We can't say that bloodline significance always had to do with one type or the other. It's uh, more about the genealogy in that regard. But these blood types may very well have derived from existence of various gene pools throughout. So there is definitely a trace of geographic locations and uh, ethnicities. Uh, Anyone who has had their ancestry done through DNA has seen this demonstrated. So there is a Uh, there's definitely a a link to the past uh, uh, through our species. Now, it was the bloodline that first led to Alexander the Great, to the uh, Macedonians, uh, with whom it is believed that two of the tribes of Israel, which would be Dan and Manasseh, uh, had intermarried. Uh, These two tribes left the northern kingdom of Israel and fled to Greece to escape the Syrian conquest uh, back in 620 B.C., and once there, they assimilated themselves into the Greek culture, um, but they never forgot their heritage in ancient Egypt as the Habaru, or aka Hebrew, uh, but now were the Macedonians. So they eventually established themselves along a river called the Dania, which they named after their tribe Dan. Um, uh Alexander the Great knew about this heritage, and that's why he felt the urge to go to Egypt to trace his godly bloodline to his believed father, who he thought was none other than the Egyptian god Ra. Now, the Egyptian city Alexandria was even named after him, and he also built the library there. So but you would think that he would have built it in Greece, where at the time it was a place of great learning. Um, instead, he decided to build it in Egypt. Um, don't you just love history, Joe? It, it was like my favorite subject in school.
0: Oh, yeah, mine too. And interestingly enough about Alexandria is that uh, then it also became a place of great learning after the time of Alexander all the way to the time of Ptolemy uh, several hundred years later.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I love researching historical events like this. I know you do too. Um, for us to understand where we are headed in the future, we must have a good knowledge and understanding of where we came from. Um, our true origin stories have been tainted by the powers of religious thinkers and world leaders for thousands of years. So I think it's time to break free from indoctrinated thinking and uh, examine our history from a new and different perspective altogether and and have an open mind about it as well. Um, We are going to find more and more data and evidence to be revealed as time goes on. And the RH negative is one of those pieces of evidence that I believe supports the theory of our extraterrestrial origins. And the truth is in our DNA. It, it's in the blood. Um, now, Inky and, and Herceg were the ones who created the Homo sapiens species with sperm from uh, the gods who fertilized the eggs of the primate females. Um, it was the Anunnaki goddesses that then carried them to term in their in their womb. But let's look at the story of the extra web uh, rib. For example, now author Nick Redfern, who often appears on Ancient Aliens, uh, brings this to light in his book called Bloodline of the Gods. Uh, He explains that most humans have 12 pairs of ribs making up the rib cage. However, one out of every 200 people are born with an extra rib. Uh, This is referred to as the cervical rib. And guess which group of people are born with the extra rib more than anyone else, Joe? People with RH negative blood, which, of course,
0: reminds us of the uh, Adam and Eve story in Genesis 2, 22, with God putting Adam to sleep and then removing one of his ribs to create Eve.
1: Yep. And uh, obviously, there is uh, uh, more to that story that uh, we've lost uh, or misunderstood over the thousands of years here. But it's not only a rib. There's also an extra vertebra. the rib firm. Ridfern says that around one in 10 of the world's population is born with an extra six lumbar vertebrae. And guess what? Well, More than 20% of RH negatives have this extra vertebrae. And this is a mystery as to why they have it. He also brings to light that during uh, the Betty and Barney Hills abduction story, in which, according to them, the aliens were spending a lot of time focused on counting Barney's vertebrae. Um, Now, if the British monarchy can trace their line back to the beginning of human civilization, then, you know, maybe they know something that we do not know. Uh, It makes you wonder if there is any truth to it since Queen Elizabeth II is O negative. Is it that the RH negative blood types are thought of as being of royal blood somewhere along the uh, genealogical line?
0: So blood is definitely the connection of our lives to that of the life of a god or a life of royalty, uh, and it's thought of as, in terms of being a sacred quality, uh, even to this day of modern physiology and anatomy, where we understand exactly what blood is, we still take steps to not desecrate it. In fact, uh, Leviticus 7.26, uh, in, in that book, uh, in that chapter and verse, God forbids people to eat The blood of any animal to do this is believed in a a religious way to be the same as consuming the very life of something the very essence and spirit of something which is forbidden by god Um, blood can also be considered to have unclean sacrilegious attributes depending on the context Um, in revelation 17 6 uh, john the evangelist sees the woman sitting on a beast who was drunk with the blood of the saints Uh, Of course, we have all heard the tales of vampires who walk the earth as undead and sustain themselves in this wretched condition by sucking out the blood on on living people. Um, To revere blood seems to be a dutiful uh, piety, whereas defiling blood is an utter abomination. And as far as the church is concerned, drinking the blood of Christ is good. Drinking the blood of anybody else, that's probably bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well let's not uh, hold back i mean i would say that the literal drinking of any blood is bad and, and i'm sure it's uh it's bad for you and that goes to tell us what you just said that uh, god must have liked his meat well done
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding i mean yuck uh now one of the hypotheses about the rh negative gene is that it comes from a different humanoid species and the anthropological evidence supports the origin of Homo sapiens uh, to having come from Africa, with migrations going into Asia and Europe about 150,000 years ago. So there could be a possibility of intermating with these different branches of of humans or humanoids. Uh, Some researchers speculate that this humanoid species was something of what you might call an original human race. Uh, Now, in Greek mythology, there are people... Called the Hyperboreans, uh, who were believed to live very far to the north like near the arctic um a similar myth is found with the celts and what was the lost island of high brazil and also with the norse in what is called duly uh, interestingly enough that is the name of the capital of greenland uh, and these are really just parallel accounts of the lost civilization of atlantis when you really get down to it <clears throat> and, and like atlantis the inhabitants were believed to be superior and like most everything else in mythology, it is godly and valiant bloodlines that make people superior. So does it mean that the gene for red blood cells that lack the Rhesus D antigen, uh, which is what makes them Rh negative, that may have been passed down to human descendants from this branch of, let's we'll just say extinct hominoid, humanoids? Uh, supporters of this idea, like the isoteric theosophist, uh, like Blavatsky, Uh, who we talked about a few episodes ago, uh, believe that this race was blonde-haired and blue-eyed, from which came major spiritual teachers throughout our history, to include Jesus. Of course, we see a strong connection with these descriptions uh, with those of the Pleiadians, these sort of Nordic-looking beings, and this notion sort of pervades uh, all of our mythologies, that the blood of gods or of demigods or of half-gods is different from that of most others. And it has characteristics that are not like that of normal
1: humans. Well, one group of people that has a high propensity for having the Rh negative blood type are the Basques from Northern Spain and Southern France. The Basque also speak a language that is not like the other ones in European language, leading speculation that uh, Rh negative blood is related to Cro-Magnon man of the, the, the Paleolithic period whose skull and bone fragments were discovered near that region. Um, What is unusual about RH negative blood is that the gene for it is surprisingly common. It is rare, but not that rare, Um, yet it is potentially very harmful. Now, consider that when a woman whose blood is RH negative is pregnant with a child that is RH positive, the mother's immune system creates antibodies that fight the RH positive blood. Her blood essentially becomes toxic to the child. To some people, this looks like the mother's blood is rejecting the baby, which uh, raises the question if that is because of incompatibility uh, based on the mother and child being of different uh, species. As astounding that seems, most scientists conclude uh, it is most likely a random mutation, yet one that has persisted.
0: Yeah, simply put, the Rh factor is a type of protein in the red blood cells. If you have the gene that is responsible for making the protein, you're Rh positive. If not, then you're Rh negative. And, it, and really, it doesn't matter too much if you're Rh negative, Rh positive. In the case with transfusions, as a type O negative can be given to just about anybody.
1: Right, but for a woman who is pregnant, it it can be a serious problem if the baby is positive as her, her body uh, will, will build antibodies to attack the RHD antigen. Um, this process is known as sensitization, uh, uh, where the blood goes to the placenta and the antibodies attach to the RHD of the baby's red blood cells so as to eliminate it, almost as if it was a virus. Um, th- this breaks down the fetus development in which, in, in what is called the uh, hemolytic uh, anemia which can be deadly and and cause the miscarriage. So it is like the mother's immune system is attacking something alien inside of her uh, when here it is just her baby. Um, And once again, human ingenuity has to intervene um, to give the baby a chance at at life by administering a shot called uh, rogam which uh, contains the antibodies that stop the mother's immune system from defending itself from the baby's RH-positive cells. And what's interesting is that the RH-negative seems to only be found in humans. So why would that be? Um, I think it shows how unique we are to this planet. You have to wonder why natural selection would bring this about only in our species. Um, I like how, again, author Wes connects the bloodline of the tribe of Dan, um, that one of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, t- to the uh, Vikings, much like how he did with Alexander and the Macedonians, um, and how uh, they may be connected to the British monarchy as we know it today. Now, not all Vikings, of course, but uh, West speculates that some of the Jews who fled Roman persecution in Palestine around 135 AD were of the northern tribe of Dan, and that they later. After the subsequent intermarriages in indigenous Germanic and, and Nordic tribes, it became the Vikings. Now, there is an interesting history, history involving Vikings. Uh, their ancestors are thought to be the six uh, Hebrew slash Hebrew kings, the pharaohs of Egypt. Um, the VI in Vikings is the Roman numeral six which placed before kings is Vikings. Um, It was in 1016 AD when the Viking king Canute, the great, became king of England. Now, the tribe of Dan began its rule through the English throne. Um, Now, get a load of this. The word Britain means covenant land uh, in the Hebrew language. Uh, uh, British in uh, Hebrew is Biriath, which is covenant, according to Strong's Hebrew slash Greek lexicon, and that's just found in item number H1285. And this goes back to the time of the uh, Abrahamic covenant with the biblical God promising Abraham to be a great nation. And let's ponder on this. Great Britain is the only nation that has the affiliation great given before it.
0: So there we have it, the connection of blood to life, uh, to the covenant with God, and, ultimate, and the ultimate and unbreakable covenant, that is, as well as to otherworldliness and power that surpasses the capacity of ordinary mortal human beings. Is our alien hybridization from the distant past found to be evident in the Rh-negative blood type that is lingering around in the cells of some people to this very day? Were the mandates throughout history to preserve royal and noble bloodlines, sort of like codes, to convey a message of our extraterrestrial heritage? Or is the Rh-negative blood type just one of many natural enigmas in our genetic evolution? Uh, you, the audience, must decide. So that ends it for today. Uh, next week, we get into uh, the tic-tac. Uh, not the breath mint, of which we all we all know and we all love, especially cinnamon flavor, which is my favorite. Uh, but the flying craft that has baffled even the most adroit of aviation and military experts. Uh, whatever it was, it was seen traveling at an unfathomable speed much faster than our navy fighter jets and was also maneuvering in a way that would induce a fatal amount of g-forces um and we still don't know what it is
1: well my favorite tic-tac is orange so i don't think i would have uh, compared it to that No, those
0: are, <laughs> I, I like those are i forgot about the orange flavor i, I they, yeah, they, yeah I, that, that actually might be my favorite i take back the cinnamon thing <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's good. Uh, It's a good sweet taste. Uh, So, yes, yeah, the famous Tic Tac UFO case that was uh, all over the news there for a while. Um, Actual footage of a fast moving craft that uh, some of our fastest jets could not catch. Uh, And it was filmed several years ago uh, just off of the uh, San Diego coast. I know we mentioned it uh, in prior uh, episodes. Um, these videos were released to the public, and pilots were interviewed on shows and on podcasts where the pilots involved could only describe the object as resembling a large version of a tic tac Um, If anything just government disclosure about UFOs, uh, this may have been one incident uh, they put out there, letting us know in, in good old government fashion that we are not alone. Um, they gave us enough of an answer, of course, to uh, keep us in mystery. <laughs> Anyway, that should be a fun uh, episode discussing.
0: Yeah, sounds like a a lot to discuss with that one. And we are definitely glad all of you joined us today. Uh, We wish everyone everywhere a happy and healthy new year. And we look forward to having a a lot of engaging and interesting episodes coming up in 2022. And we hope you all tune in for what will be coming up uh, this year. Until then, as always, stay curious. Uh, So long, everyone, and thanks for being with us.
1: And once again, Joe and I wish you and your families a happy and safe new year. So take care, folks.